Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Black Star Network is here. Oh, no punches! A real uh, revolutionary right now. <laughs> Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rollins. I love y'all. All momentum we have now, we have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Today is Friday, August 12, 2022. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. Uh-oh, the Donald Trump warrant is right here. I bet a lot of those Republicans who were running their mouths wish they had kept their mouths shut when it came to what the FBI, the Department of Justice, was looking for 
when they search Mar-a-Lago. We'll break it down to you and talk about the national security implications of the classified information that was discovered. Also, one of the four cops involved in the shooting death of Breonna Taylor is going to be pleading guilty guilty, folks. Uh, we'll tell you exactly uh, what that entails. Also, several Georgia police officers are on administrative leave pending uh, uh, the, first of all, for being caught on camera using the N-word and throwing a citizen's ring camera away recording what they were doing. New York has a polio is circulating in New York. We'll tell you what's going on with that. Folks, please get vaccinated. And also, as midterm elections are approaching, it's a big push to get poll workers. We'll talk to the program manager uh, of Power to the Polls. They will tell us about their efforts to recruit, recruit, recruit more people in this effort. And today's Education Matters segment, organizations push to get more black men in the technology field. We'll talk to the founder of Black Men in Tech. Lots to discuss. It's time for us to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered with the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. All right, folks, uh, the FBI uh, warrant uh, where they went to Mar-a-Lago has been unsealed. Uh, and as a result, we now get to see what's in it. Now, let me tell you how trifling Donald Trump is. Uh, this right here is a copy of, of the actual warrant. It says, notice of filing of redacted documents. Let me tell you what that asshole Trump did. They actually released, they gave a copy of the warrant to Breitbart, Fox News, and the Wall Street Journal did not redact the document. So what's in it? The actual names of the FBI agents. Yeah, that's what's in there. One day after, a crazed, deranged individual shot at the FBI office in Cincinnati. He was killed. That's, folks, what you are dealing with. Uh, now, the FBI recovered nearly a dozen sets of top-secret documents from Mar-a-Lago. Uh, and again, folks, uh, people are unpacking exactly what was there. Now, all those Republicans who rushed, who said, oh, this, they were wrong for doing this, now a lot of them got their mouths shut. Now they want to talk about, oh, where's the affidavit? It's all kind of drama that they're involved in. A federal judge, folks, in the Southern District of Florida, again, unsealed the documents related to the search on Monday. The unsealing comes a day after uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland came out and stated uh, what happened and how they wanted the public uh, to see what's going on. Now, 
uh, again, uh, it was uh, an informant who told them about what potentially could be there. Uh, this, folks, is one of the issues. Donald Trump, of course, he's all upset, he's mad, and uh, now they're trying to make uh, other accusations. But the bottom line is, he is being investigated for violating three espionage uh, areas. And so let's talk about this whole thing right now with Dr. Nola Haynes, adjunct professor at Georgetown University in the School of Foreign Service. Doc, glad to have you here. Um, I saw you on Twitter talking about this here, so I said, well, look, we've got to get her on the show. So talk about the national security implications of what it is the Department of Justice says that they were able to uncover or were looking for at Mar-a-Lago. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm really excited to actually talk about something within my wheelhouse. So there are a few <laughs> things that we need to... Uh, <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, I'm, I'm very excited about this. I mean, not because of what's happening to our country, but the fact that this is something that I'm very passionate about. So because of that passion, I want to talk about some very p particular things regarding national security. I'm going to speak less about the legal jargon because that is not my wheelhouse and I never like to step on other professionals' toes. Um, so I'm definitely going to talk about the kind of broader national security implications here. So what people need to understand that I think some of what people on the right are attempting to do is to normalize this process as, you know, as if to say, well, the, the president has presidential powers to declassify documents at his or her leisure. That is somewhat true. When we are talking specifically about anything regarding defense, okay, and, and I really need everyone to understand this particular point. When we are talking about anything re regarding our defense, first of all, you don't get to take it home. Let's start there. You do not get to take anything regarding defense home. Right. And then secondly, when you are no longer the president, you can't just decide if you are going to declassify um, particular top secret documents. And, you know, another point is, is that there are procedures and processes. Right. And so right. I'm guessing because this happened in the first place, those processes were not adhered to. No, they were, um, they, actually, they were not. So, for instance, Donald Trump went out there and lied and talked about how uh, former President Obama took 33 million documents with him. Well, guess what? The National Archives came out and stated that, no, Obama did not just take them, that he went through all of the procedures, filing of the necessary paperwork, uh, and then they reviewed all of that material that, he, that was then taken to be used for his presidential library center. Uh, that's what the whole deal there was. And so, you're right. A president, while you're president, a president can declassify anything the president has that authority, but you can't just, after the fact, say, oh, I'm a former president, so therefore, wave the wand, is declassified. That ain't how it works. Absolutely. Nor can you unilaterally do it either, right? Just because you just wake up one day and just decide that's what you want to do. And first of all, I just want to say shout out to all the researchers and, and archivists out there, you know, who really dig deep and do their jobs, because this is really why, you know, um, these people who do this type of work, why they are important to our government. And I just want to say, you know, one thing about the security clearance process, what a lot of people may not realize, this is something that our government takes 
very seriously. You know, the, the process in and of itself is arduous. And then there's an entire orientation about the different types of classifications and how you're supposed to handle every level of information, where it's supposed to go, how it's supposed to be labeled, how it's supposed to be packaged. The government takes this very seriously because it is government property. Now, another thing that really struck me with this, because I, I pay attention to kind of like these espionage uh, sort of situations, just because it's something that me and my dad kind of are just like interested in. But from a security perspective, what a lot of people have to realize is that most of the people who have create who have um, committed this crime in our country, it is it is it is usually because of some sort of grievance they have about the government. And there is no one right now in our country that is more aggrieved than a former president. Like there are a few you know, not that the president is a spy, at least we don't hope that he is, but, you know, like famous spies like Aldrich Ames, you know, um, even though the Snowden case, he wasn't a spy, he leaked information. And then also the um, Gawadia case, I hope I'm saying this, his, his last name correctly. These cases are all motivated by people who had grievances against the United States government, who felt like there was a job that they should have gotten that they didn't get. And we all know this is at, this is the top of mind of the former president, that he is so aggrieved. So this is something that I am thinking about in the larger context, because you cannot think about this without thinking about 2020, without thinking about 1-6. There's a through line through all of this. Grievance definitely pushes people to do things that they probably wouldn't have thought that they would have ever done. So that's a really important part of this that we should pay attention to also. Well, here's the other thing, and that is this here. Uh, the FBI is also not asserting what is classified. Uh, I, I was sitting here, I was just sitting here uh, looking at a tweet someone, uh, and, and this is so, um, this person points out, none of the three crimes cited in the warrant turn on whether the information is classified. Uh, so they are very specific. They cited three areas of espionage. Yeah. Expl yeah. Explain to folks what that means. Well, it means, simply put, that you are, first of all, you're taking documents out. So that, that's the first part. You're not supposed to take documents out of the U.S. government. Even if you're the president, you know, you have to go through certain procedures, but we've all, you know, realized that those procedures were not upheld. So that's the first part of it. The second part of it is, what do you do with those documents once you have them? There's an executive order that Barack Obama signed um, in 2009, it's Executive Order 13526, that says you cannot take, uh, especially, uh, uh, information regarding defense home. So if you're taking these documents home, how are they being stored? You know, where are they being stored? Are they being stored the, the way that the U.S. government directs you to store them? Right. And so the really, really scary part is, OK, if you are storing them, you've taken them home and you've taken them home when you weren't supposed to. Are you selling them? Are you sharing information with people who are not friendly to the U.S.? And again, all of this, it's a through line. You know, Russia, we don't know who else, but we do know that Donald Trump had a tendency of befriending very hard line uh, uh, dictators, presidents, you know, whatever you want to call them. We do not know the, 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 the larger story yet, and that is the really scary thing here. We simply do not know. But I will say this, and what people really need to understand, in the very dangerous situation 
that our country is in right now. We are not just teetering on the brink of losing democracy, but the very um, hair-trigger security situation where people are out and out calling for civil war. There is no way in the world that the FBI is going to go into Donald Trump's home without enough evidence and without enough reason to do so. And people really need to understand that. And especially in the midterm election year, especially knowing how well many people in our in our country use misinformation and disinformation to their advantage, there's no way that the FBI is just going to go in and do that to do this. And there's no way that judges are going to sign off on that warrant too. Well that's it. why Attorney General Merrick Garland yesterday came out and said he personally authorized uh, this search to take place because he knew how significant this was. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is significant. It's one of the most significant things. I feel like we've said this in the last five years, five or six years, we continue to say how significant this is because nothing like this has ever happened. But it's really true. It's very true. The things that, that, that happened with the last administration were all landmark things because they just never happened in our country before. And here we are talking about the former president possibly committing some form of espionage. And someone raised a really good point earlier. I think it was on Twitter. This isn't just about the president. Someone had to help the president make copies of those documents. Right. So the people involved in making this happen and getting those documents to Mar-a-Lago are also involved. Right. And so we don't know all the different channels of communications. We don't know the people who were involved. We don't know what level of information the informant has. This is a really... This, this, this is a national security crisis, in my opinion. And, you know, I want to say that, in, you know, th there are many people, especially in the black community, you know, who may not have the FBI, you know, on the top of their Christmas list. I can tell you that in terms of what could have happened without any of us knowing, you got to give props to them for stepping in in a moment, you know, that they knew potentially that would not look good for them, but they did it anyway because they're putting country first. Um, I want to bring in, first of all, here's one of the interesting things here. Uh, Robert Costa, he actually uh, just tweeted this. He said, former NSA Ambassador John Bolton told CBS, uh, often the president would say to intelligence briefers, well, can I keep this? And in my, my experience, the intelligence briefers most often would say, well, sir, we prefer to take that back, but sometimes they forgot. Uh, I mean, th this is, and again, this is the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand. Uh, when, when you hear... Folks talk about the nation's secrets. Folk are very hesitant. Uh, this is probably the most important responsibility of anybody who assumes the role of commander-in-chief, president of the United States. You are the, you are the keeper of secrets. You are the guardian of secrets. Uh, this is the same person uh, who was so uh, such a, in a rush uh, to uh, uh, get excited. I think it was, it was a strike against Iran where, where he declassified a particular photo and, and, and intelligence people were pissed off because, first of all, by doing that, you're showing the rest of the world American capabilities. And intelligence folks kind of want to keep those things secret when you're trying, when you're spying, or when you are undertaking uh, that type of uh, sensitive uh, uh, intelligence uh, uh, around the world. Absolutely. And, you know, as a national security person, one of the things that's drilled into many people like, like me and our brains was Helsinki. Helsinki revealed so much of Donald Trump's thinking 
And it also reveals... Well, first so of all, hold on, Doc, hold on, Doc, hold on, Doc. Folk don't know. What the hell happened to Helsinki? I was gonna bring it back. Okay, all right. See, see I wanna let you go. <laughs> see, don't. We, off, off the top, somebody hung going, Helsinki? What happened to Helsinki? <laughs> Okay, so when um, Donald Trump had a chance to confront uh, Vladimir Putin about the uh, election, um, about um, interrupting the 2016 election, Donald Trump decided to believe Vladimir Putin over his intelligence agencies. And so in that moment, when you're watching this happen, you're thinking, did that just really happen? And yes, that really happened. And so it revealed to the world that the president didn't necessarily think about the work that the intelligence community does as vital. So that's something that I'm thinking about as we are all sitting here trying to unpack this situation that our country is now mired in. So if you have someone in the White House that does not necessarily, uh, you know, respect or really value the work of the intelligence community, you can kind of say, well, I can kind of see how, we, how we're here now in 2022. Because if you don't have a respect for what the intelligence community does, if you do not have respect for information, or if you think that information belongs to you, because there were many instances where the former president, you know, acted more like a king than anything else. So maybe somewhere in his mind, he thought the information was his. But it is not. It belongs to the United States government, which is bigger than just one person. Uh, but this is also the same person who chose to meet Vladimir Putin by himself and even throughout the translators. So we have no idea what the hell uh, was discussed uh, in that particular meeting. Uh, Dr. Nola Haynes, always glad to have you on the show. We certainly appreciate you breaking this down for us. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I want to bring in one of our panelists, uh, attorney Matt Manning. Matt, um, as an attorney, you looked over uh, this, uh, this warrant here. Just what, what stands out for you? Um, uh, with what the FBI and DOJ were doing? What stands out for me is the fact that uh, the Justice Department, in my estimation, played this the right way. I mean, Trump tried to try to go bullhorn and, you know, basically uh, establish his narrative first, but they called his bluff and said, look, we want to unseal it. The fact that the AG himself looked at this search warrant and authorized the search warrant lets you know from the beginning that they wanted to give it appropriate gravitas. And what I think is really important about this is that you know, he was given opportunities to turn these documents over. So what's especially important is the FBI is saying, we think that he was not being forthcoming, him and his team were not forthcoming about turning those documents over. And I think that's going to be especially important as it relates to obstruction of justice, which is one of the charges that they're looking at. This idea that we gave you numerous opportunities to give us everything you were supposed to give us, and we had reason to believe you did not. And that reason to believe was asserted by the, the judge in the Southern District of Florida. The judge found that there was probable cause to believe that the FBI affidavit, as it was laid out, um, established that there was likely still those documents there. So I think from a legal perspective, that's especially problematic, because if the facts were that they went first to the judge and just laid out probable cause and had never tried to communicate with his team to get the return of those documents, that would be a completely different issue. But here, you've had at least two instances where you could turn those documents over and elected not to. And the fact that we found further classified documents, you know, is proof positive that you were trying to hide something. So I think that's especially important. And I think, you know, if he is ultimately charged, that's going to be something that a federal prosecutor stands up and says, is that, you know, the Espionage Act is not only obviously acting as a spy, 
but also the refusal to return uh, classified documents. And finally, Roland, what I want to add is especially important is, as the doctor said before me, you know, the president has the unilateral ability to declassify documents, but there's a procedure. And I think that this really goes to show how Mr. Trump has always operated. Here are the rules. They don't apply to me, but they apply to everybody else. And if you don't follow the rules, then you find yourself in a situation where they're kicked door in your resort, um, as they would do any other citizen in the United States. Because once he left office, he became a private citizen. So I think the, the FBI and DOJ has played this well, because I think they goaded his team into making public what they had clear right to do under the law and as asserted by the judge in the Southern District. Well, that's one of the things that I also, again, I find to be uh, quite hilarious. We're going to bring in Killer Bethea, communication strategist, Michael M. Hotep, host of the African History Network show uh, panelists as well. Uh, that's the thing to me that I find to be utterly hilarious, um, Michael, in that when you look at uh, Trump, one, uh, they huffed and puffed, and they were like, mm -hmm. okay, unseal it. And now yep. they've unsealed it. And now what's even more shocking, and, and you notice the eerie silence. First of all, you notice how silent all these Republicans are about the shooting of the FBI office on yesterday. That's right. One. But they're, right. but they're very silent about Trump releasing the warrant and not redacting the actual names of the FBI agents. It's amazing how these people love to attack, attack Black Lives Matter and others, yet these folks are very much anti-law enforcement when it suits oh, them. Absolutely. absolutely. Like I said before, number one, I said this back in 2017 when Trump became president. I said, Donald Trump is the first Russian president of the United States. Now, you mark my words, you're going to find out that's true. I said that back in 2017, because I was warning our people in 2015 and 2016 about Donald Trump. And one of my sources for the information was the information that Malcolm Nance was putting out and in his, in his book, The Plot to uh, Destroy America, something like that. Malcolm Nance was right on point with this information. He's ahead of his time. But this right here now, also, Roland, when when news came out from the Washington Post yesterday that the uh, that the uh, documents that the FBI was looking for centered around nuclear weapons, okay, then you also heard silence from Republicans as well. Mm -hmm. That took things to a whole nother level because people now it didn't say whose nuclear weapons, U.S. allies, things like this. But just wait a second, classified documents or nuclear weapons, what the hell is this guy doing with this with this type of classified information? So you heard silence from Republicans again on that. So here, Donald Trump was selling wolf tickets, and he's the one that announced, oh, Mar-a-Lago was raided, things like that. That wasn't a raid. That was a search where it served. But then he immediately started raising money off of it. He immediately, he, he sent out, Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC got the email from the, uh, from, from the Trump organization asking for money because of the quote-unquote raid, okay? So he immediately started raising money from it. Then we find out that you could talk about uh, possible violations of the Espionage Act, okay? You're talking about them looking for documents, uh, dealing with nuclear weapons, things like this. This is a whole nother level. And, and once again, this is Merrick Garland. People thought Merrick Garland was weak because he's mild-mannered. Merrick Garland ain't weak. Merrick Garland called Trump's bluff. And this is yep. blowing up a Republican's face and Trump's face as well. Yep. Uh, I, I am getting a kick out of 
uh, looking at the whiny Republicans here, Kelly. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, that, they had a news conference today. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, <laughs> these were just some boxes. I mean, it's amazing how. Uh, and then Lindsey Graham tweeted, "Okay, now release the affidavit." I'm like, "Boy, y'all show, right. sh show love moving that goalpost." Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. But it's also very typical of Republicans nowadays, right? Um, this entire movement behind Trump has always been about moving the goalposts, uh, raising or lowering standards to suit their needs. And for me, specifically when it comes to this warrant um, and what they seized, I mean, there are cases where people only leaked one document and got upwards of five, 10, maybe more years in prison. So the fact that he had this many uh, documents of various uh, levels of, of security, we're talking everything right. from confidential to top secret to um, just, there are levels to, to confidentiality when it comes to, to uh, what can be uh, shown and what can't. And he had pretty much every classification of document known to man in his house. And it's not, like I'm saying, it's not just one document, it's several of them. So I am very interested in knowing and, and soon seeing exactly what the DOJ is going to do regarding this man blatantly breaking the law because it feels like he's Teflon right now. And granted, the, the justice system is relatively slow, but it is thorough. Um, even still, I am impatient, and so is the American people when it comes to Donald Trump and him seemingly getting away with whatever he puts his hands on. So I, I'm curious to see what comes of this, and hopefully the result is him being in a jail. Ah, well, that would be wonderful. All right, folks, got to go to break. We come back more on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, we'll be talking uh, about uh, the Brenna Taylor case. Uh, one of those police officers already pleading guilty. Mmm, didn't take long at the DOJ dropped drop the hammer on them. Folks, don't forget, download our Black Star Network app, available on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, and Samsung Smart TV. Also, our goal this month uh, is to get 2,000 of our fans donating at least $50 each. Uh, that'll raise $100,000. We are behind uh, our goal from last year, uh, behind our goal from last year uh, at this particular point. And so the goal, uh, the goal is actually to get uh, 20,000 fans over the course of the year donating $50 each. Uh, again, that's the whole goal to getting uh, our fans 20,000 total. And again, some people give less, some people give more, but the goal is to raise a million dollars annually to be able to fund what we do, covering the stories that we cover all across the country. Elections are coming up. Our goal is we want to be on the road traveling uh, to North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, uh, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, uh, talking about these U.S. Senate races, talking about these congressional races and some local races as well. And so so your donations absolutely matter. But remember, you're not just also supporting Roland Martin Unfiltered. You're supporting the Black Star Network and the other shows that we have. Of course, Deborah Owens' uh, Wealth, Wealthy You Show, uh, Jackie Hood Martin Show on Wellness and Balanced Living. Of course, Stephanie Humphrey's show called The Pivot, dealing for entrepreneurship and, of course, uh, changing your mindset. Dr. Greg Carr's 
uh, show dealing with uh, uh, history and culture. And of course, Roger Muhammad's daily show as well. You're getting all of that uh, by joining our Brina Funk fan club. So you are supporting uh, this black owned media company. Again, we don't have millionaires and billionaires sending us money uh, every single year. We're sitting here uh, working through trying to get more advertisers. Uh, we appreciate Target uh, coming on board. We appreciate uh, General Motors. Uh, we had last year Verizon, Coca-Cola this year. We're trying to add more folks. But the reality is we're not getting the financial support from the ad community that we should be getting. So trust me, we greatly depend upon your support. Uh, there are multiple ways in which you can give. Those of you who are old school, uh, check and money orders can go to P.O. Box 57196, uh, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo, and we only have one Venmo. Someone sent me an uh, a email saying there's a fraudulent Venmo. I'm checking into it, but the only Venmo that we have is RM Unfiltered. The only Venmo, RM Unfiltered. What you see right here, these are the only accounts that we have. There are no others. And of course, Zelle is rolling at rollinsmartin.com, rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. Folks, we'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. On the next Get Wealthy, with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, you see the headlines. All frightening, right? Interest rates are going up. The recession is on the way. The stock market is up and down. But you know what they say, scared money, don't make money. That's why I'm excited on our next Get Wealthy to have a conversation with someone who has written a new book, Fearless Finances, and she's going to share exactly what you need to do to secure your bag, regardless of the ups and downs of the economy or the stock market. Oftentimes you can start with as little as $5. That's right here only on Get Wealthy on Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. What's up, everybody? It's Godfrey, the funniest dude on the planet. <laughs> I'm Israel Houghton. Apparently, the other message I did was not fun enough. So this is fun. You are watching... Roland Martin, my man, unfiltered. Folks, one of the cops that the Department of Justice charged with the death of Breonna Taylor is going to be pleading guilty. Former Louisville Metro Police detective um, 
she is, uh, first of all, Play Kelly Goodlett. Her attorney said his client will appear before U.S. District Judge David Hall on August 22nd to enter her plea. Goodlett had to surrender her passport and was ordered to cease contact with co co her co-defendants, Sergeant Kyle Meany and former detectives Joshua Jaynes and Brett Hankinson. With Goodlett's guilty plea, she's expected to testify against her colleague. This will be the first criminal conviction related to Brianna Taylor's death. Uh, this, of course, uh, was, comes on the heel uh, of the Department of Justice uh, again, announcing uh, these charges uh, where they uh, hit them, uh, first of all, conspiring, if you will, there was with conspiracy, uh, if you remember. Uh, talking about how they were meeting in uh, parking lots, trying to plan their stories as well. Uh, this right here, finally, uh, some form of justice for Breonna Taylor, uh, Kelly. And it says a whole lot that already one of these cops, the, remember, the ones who get the first plea in, they're the ones who get the most leniency. Uh, and so by her pleading guilty, she's going to be rolling on the, those other three. But it's also kind of bittersweet in the sense that we are waiting, what, one, two, one, two years for some semblance of justice for Breonna Taylor. Um, when we had a uh, black attorney, uh, state's attorney, who would rather prosecute uh, someone for the destruction of a wall than the murder of a human being, um, I will never forget that. I will never forgive that. Um, so seeing this semblance of justice is comforting, but we still got a long way to go. Michael. All right, sorry about that. Yeah, Roland, you know, this is good news right here. I saw the article from the Washington Post. This is good news. Looks like her testimony is going to be crucial when it comes to getting convictions uh, on the other officers. Uh, she's looking at uh, up to five years in prison and uh, up to a $250,000 fine. Her um, her charges are probably the um, the least serious. But, you know, this is, this is the start. Uh, all, all of these officers should be found guilty. Um, and this, once again, I can't stress this enough. This is the result of voting. If 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 uh, we didn't vote Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris in the office, you wouldn't have uh, Garland, uh, Mayor Garland, Department of Justice. You wouldn't have these charges filed. The Trump, the Trump Department of Justice would not have done this. Um, Matt, again, uh, as we all, as you know, on the on, on the uh, criminal side, whoever's in first, they're the ones who are going to get the best deal. Uh, and so uh, it's abundantly clear she realized, man, we screwed up. Let me try to get this sucker out of the way and try to throw, my, throw myself on the mercy of the court to get as least time in prison as possible. Oh, she is absolutely snitching. There is no question. <laughs> She's about like canary. And, you know, if I were her lawyer, I might be counseling her to do that in this case, especially because DOJ brought very, uh, very astute charges. So instead of charging her with anything related to, like, excessive force or anything like that. They charged her with a conspiracy to falsify the the the, um, the warrants. And the reason that's mm -hmm. really important is because people don't know there's actually a Supreme Court case called Franks v. Delaware, and this happens all the time. Criminal defendants, um, people who are accused, try to attack warrants because often police officers are either dishonest or mischaracterize things in a warrant. So to see it play out on such a high level is important, and for DOJ, to have the wherewithal to charge her with that, as opposed to something more attenuated, is very good, because I think, obviously, they backed her into a corner where she realized she was cooked. 
So she's now about to cook the others and sing like a bird, and we'll see how those uh, play out. But that's definitely what's happening here. She's about to snitch, no question. And, man, I think, I think, I think what's also interesting about this, remember when Eric Holder was attorney general, he talked about the high bar they had uh, to charge folks with violating the civil rights. These officers right. were not charged with violating the civil rights of Breonna Taylor. The Department of Justice, they were real patient, and they waited. They waited, and they, they spent their time talking to so many people, and these officers screwed themselves by meeting privately, and DOJ find, found out, and that's what they hit them with. Absolutely. And the scary thing, Roland, is how often this happens in all the cases that don't reach the light of day, right? All the cases that are not at this level, the national level, um, and they're just as important, but we don't hear them happening as often. So I'm glad that DOJ was methodical and, and took their time. And look, the reality is when the feds prosecute somebody, it's way different than when the state does. The feds have like a 98% conviction rate because they have all the resources to really work out a case and they have, you know, the best expertise. So for them to not only charge her as astutely as they did here, but also to be methodical and, you know, uh, long thinking in how they set up their case, I think is good. And I think that's going to ultimately yield the appropriate results, because especially at this level, if you had a spate of not guilties, I mean, it would just kind of uh, upset the entire trust in the, in the system, which people already shouldn't have. The system we know is very flawed, um, should have it to a degree, let me say that instead. But I think the way they approached this was very astute here, and I'm glad to see that they took the tact that they did. Uh, and again, I, I, for folks who don't understand, uh, and I can't stress it enough, Kelly, uh, the work that Christian Clark is doing as head mm -hmm. of the Civil Rights Division under this Department of Justice. Uh, I mean, and, and, and Attorney Ben Crump said this, uh, and in fact, uh, Carol, let me know if we actually, they ever sent us that dog on video from NABJ. Uh, I moderated a panel with him um, in Las Vegas at our convention last week, uh, and, 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 and he did held a news conference about this particular case, and I specifically asked him uh, about uh, what work that she has done, and what he said was, and hopefully we can find the video, he said that this is probably, in his estimation, the most active civil rights division uh, since the days of Robert Kennedy during the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, shout out to Black Girl Magic on this one, right? You know, not to <laughs> do belittle it or cheapen it by any means, but I I am fortunate enough to know um, the 2% of Black women attorneys, a lot of them, right? And they are just incredible. And, and Attorney Clark is no different. I don't know her personally, but I'm familiar with her work. She's incredibly thorough. She's incredibly incredibly just smart and strategic. And I don't doubt anything that she has done in her division and in her work. Um, this is expected of her because she has basically made the bar as far as excellence is concerned in this regard. So I'm not surprised. Um, but like I said, uh, even though the DOJ is a completely different division, um, a completely different jurisdiction rather, um, it's just bittersweet to know that it took this long for a semblance of justice to be served. But I am more than happy that uh, Attorney Clark is the one to um, be on the path to administer that justice on uh, behalf of Bruce. You, you made a point earlier. Um, um, 
You made a point earlier, Michael, of voting matters. Uh, and, yes. And, 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 and again, I, I, I keep saying this. I don't know what the hell this White House is doing. Uh, again, why they're not uh, doing more to trumpet uh, what's happening with the Civil Rights Division. Uh, but for mm -hmm. the people, for all the people who keep yelling, oh, Biden is doing nothing, the reality is uh, if anyone says oh, they do nothing for black folks, when I see these officers, when I look at the Ahmaud Arbery case, when I look at uh, these corrections officers and wardens and others uh, who have been uh, tried, convicted, sent to prison, other police officers, folks charged with hate crimes, I mean, you are seeing results as a result of Biden-Harris winning, uh, Garling being AG, Vanita Gupta being the number two of the Department of Justice, and, uh, right. and Christian Clark being head of the Civil Rights Division. I mean, this is what you, this, this is one of the things that you vote for. Yes, do we still want to see public policy? Yes, do we still want to see the Georgia Public Justice, Justice Act? Yes, do we still yeah. want to see For the People Act, John Lewis Act? Yes, but this is also what you vote for. Absolutely, and let's, and let's keep in mind that um, Senator Tim Scott didn't vote for Kristen Clark when she came up for uh, Supreme uh, for the uh, uh, Senate confirmation. Susan Collins voted for Kristen Clark, but the Black Republican didn't vote for her. Okay, so uh, you know this goes back, Roland, to why the Department of Justice was created in 1870 during Reconstruction. They were created largely to protect the new rights of African Americans and go after uh, those domestic terrorists that were attacking African-American elected officials and Republican elected officials, things like this. This goes back to why the Department of Justice was created. So, uh, what, yeah, the, the, the Biden-Harris administration, when it comes to messaging, they're horrible. When it comes to accomplishments, they have, they have a, a lot of accomplishments and the... Um, the uh, uh, inflation, uh, the, the inflation uh, act, just uh, inflation reduction act of 2022, just passed the House of Representatives. That's another win. This past six weeks, Biden has been on a has been on a roll, and this is they're peaking at the right time, uh, going to the uh, November 22 uh, midterm elections. But they have to message what their wins are. And once again, I, I encourage people to read the document. The Biden-Harris administration advances equity and opportunity for black people and communities across the country. That's at whitehouse.gov. It's a 19-page document. It breaks down the, uh, the, the, how the Biden-Harris administration policies are helping the African-American community. And uh, this is only through February 28th of 2022. So the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill is not in this. Jessica Tanji Brown-Jackson is not in this. A, 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 a many other wins that they have is not in this. So they have a problem with messaging, but also many of our people have to do better reading as well. Um, yeah, but again, I, I, just want, <laughs> I just want people to understand, again, why people act like, oh, these elections are no big deal. No, they matter. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. you got to show the hell up. And this is why you can't be asleep of what happens in November with these midterm elections. All right, folks, got to go to a break. Uh, we come back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. Uh, more news of the day. We'll be talking about, of course, uh, our uh, effort to get more black men uh, in tech and that education initiative we'll be talking about in our Education Matters segment. Also, our Black and Missing segment uh, that we do every single day. We'll have that coming up on today's show. Also, uh, NFL retirees finally are getting more money after, of course, 
Uh, they threw out that race-based uh, testing. We'll tell you about uh, that as well. Folks, don't forget, if you're watching on YouTube and Facebook, be sure to hit the like and the share button. Same thing if you're watching on TikTok, LinkedIn, Instagram, all the other platforms we stream on. Love to see your comments on the Black Star Network app as well. Uh, and so we should be uh, easily over 1,000 likes uh, on YouTube and Facebook, so please hit that button. Uh, well, for Facebook, not as much, uh, because I keep telling y'all Facebook is totally screwing us uh, when it comes to uh, notifying y'all uh, when we actually go live. Uh, and, and just so y'all know, uh, I, I actually emailed several executives at Facebook on this very issue. Um, I emailed them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, nobody's responded, not one. And I specifically asked him why uh, that we're being throttled. Like right now, if I look at our numbers, there are 224 people watching on Facebook, uh, where we used to get two to 3,000 watching. Uh, but it's all by design. What Facebook is doing, Facebook is trying to force us. Just so y'all understand, Facebook is trying to force us to pay money to boost to people who already follow me. And so a lot of y'all who are po people on Facebook, who, they, they turn on their live notifications. So when we go live, it's supposed to pop up on their phone or iPad or computer. Facebook literally is throttling that. And they've said to me twice, oh, there's a glitch in our system. Okay, I've now asked about that glitch multiple times now, and nobody wants to return the email. Maybe I should start calling their names. Maybe, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should call the name of the people I actually email. So that's why, folks, you seek. And so this is how, so, so if y'all want to understand, I keep telling y'all how these things are linked. So there are 1.3 million people who follow me on Facebook, okay? So Facebook doesn't want the creators making the money. They want to make the money. So by them throttling down your followers, they're hoping that I'm being going to start paying them to reach the people who already follow me. Well, that's why we created the Black Star Network app. Now, I told y'all uh, what these things cost. To do our own, have our own OTT channel, and that's what the Black Star Network is, it's $160,000 a year. Yeah, not a one-time fee. And so when y'all hear me talking about contributing to our Brenda Funk fan club, when you hear me talking about uh, uh, we need 2,000 people this month, uh, because our goal is to have 20,000 people in the course of the year, 2,000 people this month at $50 each, which comes out to $4.19 a day, 13 cents, $4.19 cents a month, 13 cents a day. Well, it's to help us create our own app because guess what? There's no throttling on our app. So my goal is to not stream again on Facebook and to tell all my Facebook followers, go over to the Black Star Network app. And so we can, so imagine if we have 1.3 million people who have downloaded the Black Star Network app, then we don't have any ties whatsoever to big tech. Then we are controlling our own destiny. Then we can say what we want, we can do what we want. And so that's why we have the Black Star Network app. So when you are donating, that's also what you are funding. And so to do so, uh, check in money orders, go to PO Box 57196, Washington, DC, 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is rmartin unfiltered. Venmo is rm unfiltered. Uh, Zale is rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. 
Uh, and again, uh, to download the app, it's on all platforms. You can download it on your Apple phone, any Android phone, your Apple TV, your Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And, and again, as I, as I said to you, the other reason why we also want you to donate, we are working right now, folks. We're working right now on launching a 24-hour streaming channel on of the Black Star Network that will be on these streaming platforms like Pluto TV, uh, Tubi TV, uh, and these type of uh, uh, platforms. And so we're working on that right now. That's also gonna cost money that allows us to be able to broaden what we're doing here uh, with Roland Martin Unfiltered and all of our shows on the Black Star Network. And so that's why we want you to support us in what we do. We'll be right back. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Hi, I'm Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. All right, folks, y'all send me rocking the Shibori Pocket Square. You can have one of those as well. Y'all know I cannot do the regular pocket squares. It absolutely drives me crazy. You know, the boring white pocket squares, silk pocket square. And so a few years ago, I was re watching, uh, reading GQ magazine, and I saw these, and I reached out to the, to the uh, writer, and I said, where'd you get these? And so these were actually, uh, they, they were made in Japan. That's how they actually make the pocket square. Uh, so I tracked the company down. Uh, it took me about a year to do so. Uh, and they had a limited amount of pocket squares, about 900. And so I think we have about 300 left. Uh, and so there's one other company that has exclusive rights to selling these in the United States. Uh, and I'm the only person who has, who were able to get uh, those numbers. And so uh, we sell those. Of course, our members, our Bring the Funk fan club members, you have a discount. There's a code that you can use to get these Shibori pocket, pocket squares. You see them, we have them in different colors, of course. And see what I love about these here, of course, uh, you can have them, uh, you can sort of wear it uh, in where you sort of have the flower effect. And then you can also turn it over and create you a whole different uh, look with it. And so we have them, of course, a pink, teal, uh, peach, uh, maroon, all sorts of different colors. And so uh, if you want to check these out, go to, pull the graphic up, please. Y'all go to rollinessmartin.com forward slash pocket squares. And not only that, some of y'all have seen me rock the feather pocket squares because y'all know I can't be regular. I mean, I got to do stuff a little bit different. Uh, and so uh, my sister, she actually designed those. Uh, and so those are customized uh, pocket squares. You can also order those on the website. And so again, if you are looking for a different look, fellas, if y'all looking to dress that thing up and you don't want to be regular, 
I understand because I'm the same way. What I want you to do is go to RolandSMartin.com forward slash pocket squares and y'all are able uh, to get that. And again, if you're a Bring the Funk fan club member, we have a discount code for you. Uh, and so if you do not have the code, simply hit us up with an email and we'll get it right to you. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Cole, Succession. We're hearing that word pop up a lot these days as our country continues to fracture and divide. But did you know that that idea, essentially a breaking up of the USA, has been part of the public debate since long before and long after the Civil War, right up to today? On our next show, you'll meet Richard Crichton, the author of this book, who says breaking up this great experiment called America might not be such a bad thing. That's on the next Black Table, right here on the Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Amber Stevens-West. I'm Avery Sunshine. So this is Roger Bow. I got a message for Roland Mascot. Oh, I'm sorry, Ascot Martin. Buddy, you're supposed to be hooking me up with some of these mascots. I'm sorry, ascots that you claim to wear. Where's mine, buddy? Where's mine? That's all I got to say to you, okay? Mascot, goodbye. Hi, this is Essence Atkins, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. I've told you before, uh, my parents have worked for polls for years. They've actually worked elections. Uh, they still work the elections, uh, very much involved uh, in various campaigns. And so uh, we need more poll workers, though. Many of our poll workers are older Americans. A lot of them uh, did not want to go to the polls because of COVID. Uh, and so now there's an initiative uh, to actually get more people uh, involved in that. And so Power the Polls is in launching an in, in inaugural a nonpartisan poll worker recruitment initiative uh, with, uh, that of course, it starts this Tuesday, August 16th. Uh, James Lusser is the program manager, assessor, program manager at Power of the Polls. Uh, tell us more about it. Jane, glad to have you here. So, all right, um, have you been a poll worker? I have not had the pleasure of being a poll worker, but I'm, uh, it's awesome to hear that your folks have been. and Like uh, a long time. That's fantastic. And, and, and they take it very seriously. <laughs> Last year, they were with me here in Virginia, um, and they were with me here a total of seven weeks. They were here for four weeks. They flew back to work a special election and then came back. So yeah, uh, they, 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 they take that thing serious. 
Yep. That, I mean, that's something that we hear from a lot of poll workers uh, who signed up with our initiative, uh, that they have such a wonderful experience that they want to go back. Um, so Power of the Polls was actually launched in 2020 uh, to help address the crisis that we had, as so many poll workers in 2020 were afraid to show up because of COVID and because uh, so many poll workers are over the age of 60 and were really concerned about their health. So we launched the initiative then really to address the crisis that we were facing in 2020. But there's just really an overall generational shift that's happening with happening with poll workers as folks are getting older and then we just need a new generation stepping in to fill those roles. Um, so in 2020, we anticipated, uh, we set a goal of 250,000 folks signing up on our website and through our partner organizations and uh, businesses, we actually signed up 700,000 folks. Um, and you would think that would have solved the problem, but uh, we are back again for the midterms because election administrators across the country um, have been telling us that they are seeing shortages again. There's a lack of awareness um, that this is a role that people need to fill. And we are back here getting ready for poll worker recruitment day on Tuesday as a launch to help get more people signed up to be poll workers this year. And, and the thing that, that, that people really need to understand, um, uh, Jane, uh, is that when we're talking about a lot of the problems that we have, and again, because uh, in fact, my parents worked to poll, my sister, and then she has her daughter. So they're actually three generations of our family who work in the polls. A lot of the problems that we see are a result of ill-informed poll workers who don't have the full information, uh, that some folk got attitudes. Uh, and so when we talk, when we talk about problems uh, there at the polls, I mean, to have uh, strong, confident people, knowledgeable. Uh, that's why those things matter to make it easier for citizens to vote. Exactly. And when you take a look at places where you see long lines or where folks have difficulty accessing the ballot box, a lot of that has to do with a lack of poll workers. Um, if we don't have enough poll workers, election administrators have to make decisions about actually closing down polling locations. So instead of being able to walk five blocks to a polling location, sometimes people are, you know, 20 to 30 minutes commute away from their polling location. And you can imagine if you're you know, rushing to get to work and you have to travel that far, that might make the difference between you being able to vote or not. So we wanna have as many polling locations open as possible. And that requires just a large number of poll workers who are signed up and who are, who are trained, as you mentioned. Um, the other thing is having more poll workers means you can move people through efficiently. You don't end up with long lines. You have folks that are trained and know how to provide assistance when folks need it um, to folks so that they are in and out as quickly as possible. There aren't long lines and everybody has a positive voting experience because they had a poll worker who was there. They are the essential workers of democracy and they are there to help those voters cast their ballots. Uh, so when we talk about poll workers right now, uh, what is the median age? Um, we've seen that the median age is actually over 60. Um, we don't have a good statistic from this year um, because there's been a little bit of a change um, since we recruited so many folks in 2020, but that was the, uh, the median age of folks in, uh, in 2020. So we're looking for a new generation of folks who, like you said, your parents have been doing this for decades. Um, if we have folks who are in their 20s or their 30s or their 40s, those are folks who maybe it's their first or second year being 
being a poll worker this year, but that means they can serve for 20 to 30 more years and they become experts at how everything works in their location. And that's really important um, for us to be able to have that. And these, um, and these are not free positions. These are paid they positions. They are not. They're paid. They are paid in many, many uh, locations. There are some there are some places where we've heard people say like, "I don't want to be paid," and they will donate their um, the money that they get from that to a civic organization um, that they care about. Um, but yeah, it, it is it is a day of pay, which is great. Um, uh, any questions from our panel? Let's see, anybody on our panel, Matt, Michael, or Kelly? Any one of y'all worked as a poll worker? I have not. Uh, no, I haven't been a poll worker uh, before, but I vote in every election, and that was instilled in me by my parents. But I had a question for Jane, if I could. Um, yes. With the um, 2020 election and the fallout from it, the conspiracy theories, things like this, and then the politi politicization of the poll workers, uh, mm -hmm. That, that we've seen also. Have you had to change how you message? <laughs> Have you had to change how you recruit poll workers uh, because of what we've seen uh, as a result of the 2022, uh, of 2020 uh, presidential election? Yes, yeah, so we definitely have seen questions from folks trying to make sure that they feel safe engaging mm -hmm. in that activity because they've seen so much. But one of the really surprising things that we've also noticed is that because of that politicization of poll workers and because of the elections, a lot of people see that as a motivation to sign up because they'll say, okay. I am Good. not political. I don't care who you're voting for. I'm just showing right. up. I'm the person that shows up to clean up my block. I'm the person that shows up to run a back-to-school drive for my local school. These are folks who are very civically engaged, who see themselves stepping into that role specifically because they aren't super political folks, and they see that being right. really important um, in the election. So I think it, you know, it does frighten some people off, which is definitely uh, an important thing to note. Um, but administrators are doing a lot also to make people feel safer. Um, voter intimidation and threats at the polls is not something new to American society, unfortunately. So a lot of these administrators have a long history of knowing how to deal with that and train, and they are ramping up all of the resources that they provide to folks this year. But again, like I said, I think it's motivating a lot of folks who say, I know this, my, my mother was a poll worker, my grandma was a poll worker, my uncle was, um, I know what this is right. all about and now I wanna step up and do that. Or I've never done something before, but I think that this is a really important time. And because people feel that way, I feel like I'm a good person to step up and do that at this point. Kelly, Matt, any all questions? Right. Yeah, um, I have a very I, Matt, go, go ahead, Kelly. Matt, go ahead. Oh, well, my question real quick was just particularly in states like mine in Texas and in Georgia with particularly restrictive voting laws, what have you seen the response been to your messaging, in particular to the, the changes in our law in Texas with poll watchers and allowing them to move around the polling place? Kind of to your last point, I mean, what have you seen in terms of responses and, and compunctions as it relates to that? Yeah, so that's actually something where we've seen administrators in some of those jurisdictions actually want to have more poll workers in order to address uh, some of the issues that some of these new laws have created. Um, so, for instance, um, in Texas, we know there's some places where they wanted to have more folks signing up as election workers. Most of those people are working on election day, but some of those people are in the office calling folks, notifying them about issues with their ballots based on changes that have been made. And so it actually just makes the need to have more poll workers 
workers there more important. And we've seen people stepping up for that, but we've also seen election administrators upping their goals in some places because they want to have enough people because of some of these new laws. All right, Kelly. Sure. So given what we saw uh, in the January 6th committee hearings with the poll workers um, testifying, has there been any talks of upping security, um, making these poll workers feel safe um, further? Has there been talks of possibly having poll workers from other jurisdictions come into those jurisdictions um, that are more likely to need security. So maybe uh, an independent poll worker, for lack of a better phrase. What is an uh, independent poll worker? What do you mean, independent poll worker? Like someone who's not in the jurisdiction where people are voting so that there's more objectivity, at least perceived objectivity. Because the whole point of, you know, everything that has happened thus far is it looks shady to some people. Granted, it's not. I understand that all of this is propaganda, but to make the poll workers feel safe and these people who believe in the propaganda feel secure in their vote, has there been any talks about either upping security, bringing people from other jurisdictions to these polls? What have the talks been about? Yeah, so I think there's a couple different things. And one of the first is that administrators have been changing some of the training that they provide for folks. They have also had conversations about what sort of security protocols they have there. You know, in many places, there's also concern about not having a security presence because that can be very intimidating looking to some voters. Um, so they, it's, it's a delicate balance that they have of increasing security, increasing protocols, but also making sure that the polls are welcoming to everybody. Um, there's also been some changes in a few states where legislators have proposed rules around threats and accusations against poll workers and things like that. Um, one of the other things, though, about sort of the difference between a poll worker who's working in their neighborhood versus a person who's working somewhere else, almost everywhere in the country has, uh, most, all jurisdictions have slightly different, uh, or all states have slightly different rules, and jurisdictions will have slightly different applications of those rules within their area. Um, but for the most part, folks really do prefer to have poll workers working in their neighborhood. And you can think about all the reasons why this is preferable. Number one, people don't trust what's going on somewhere else, but they do trust what's going on in their neighborhood. And when they see that poll worker, it's probably somebody that they recognize from their neighborhood. Um, it's also really important when people show up at the wrong polling location. If you live in the neighborhood, you can direct that person to the other place because you actually know where it is versus when you have somebody who's traveled across the state, they're not going to really know how to mm -hmm. engage with those folks. So people really right. do prioritize placement within a neighborhood because it's so much more important for people to be served by poll workers who are from their community, who look like them, who talk like them, who understand them, and are able to provide the services that that community needs. Well, one of the things that we're seeing, Jane, obviously you had these lawmakers uh, give uh, poll observers. Uh, and so for the people yeah. who are watching, a poll observer is different from a poll worker. Uh, that poll observer can work for a political party. Uh, and so they are observing what takes place. The poll worker is the person who's actually responsible for walking people through, checking them in, being able to give them their ballot, make sure it's being placed. Uh, and so that's what, so you have that there. Uh, and, 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 and I can tell you when Texas changed their law, uh, the conversations that I heard from poll workers in Texas, uh, they were very concerned because they felt 
that they were giving more leeway for these poll observers uh, to sort of bear down and be breathing down the necks of poll workers, and that pissed off a lot of poll workers. Um, and so, uh, so you're seeing that, and they saw a lot of people who quit, who said, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not dealing with this crap. Uh, and so what we have to understand, so when we talk about elections matter, we also have to understand when, when Republicans are making these changes, and your group is nonpartisan, but the reality is the political folks, when they are making these changes, they are negatively impacting poll workers and keeping folks uh, from wanting to be, because they say, I don't want to deal with this crap if I've got crazy, deranged uh, Republicans or Democrats coming in here uh, and acting a fool, and we're just trying to do our job. Yeah, and that's why, I mean, our, our efforts are all nonpartisan, and that's uh, one of the most important things is we have so many folks who are showing up because they feel uh, like it's really important for them to do their civic duty. And again, they just, you know, don't think about it as much. You think about things like volunteering to help with elections or for campaigns in presidential years, and sometimes folks don't think about it during the midterm. And it is just as important for folks to be stepping up now, which is why we have administrators all across the country really focusing on this. I think one of the really wonderful distinctions we've seen between 2020 and this year is just how much administrators are looking to do this earlier so that folks who are a new poll worker this year have time to get trained up, have time to educate themselves and get comfortable with the role that they're going to play during early voting or on election day um, so that they're really comfortable going into that because they are the frontline workers of democracy. They have one of the most essential uh, jobs in our uh, in this country in ensuring other people in their neighborhood are able to vote. All right, then. Now, first of all, um, if people are interested, where do they go to get more information? <clears throat> Great. They go to powerthepolls.org. You put in your zip code, your phone number, and your name, and you get connected to uh, you get connected to a page that has all the information about your local application. Um, once you get there, you fill out your local application with your local elections office. They take it from there. They sign you up for training. They give you information about your placement, and we help you along. We give you reminders if you haven't filled out your application. We nag you a little bit until you get that in. Um, we, you know, call you the week before election day to make sure that you are not thinking about flaking because you got to show up there. You got to be there early to make sure those polls open on time, and we support you through that whole process. So you go to powerthepolls.org. It takes about five minutes to sign up on the site. It takes a little bit longer for that for you to complete your actual application and then you're on uh, your road to being a poll worker. All right, James Slusser, I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, I'm sure my parents do as well. And so they will be there uh, at the polls during the election season. Thanks a lot. Thank them for their service. Thank you. All right, sounds good. All right, folks, uh, got to go to a break. We come back. Uh, more Roland Martin Unfiltered. We'll be uh, talking about uh, some stories, also some breaking news uh, dealing with the Southern Baptist Convention and the Department of Justice. We'll tell you about that when we come back as well, folks. Uh, you're watching the show, you're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube. Hit that like and share button and let folks know uh, the great work that we're doing here, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, again, there's no, there is no other show in America. There's not a single show in America that's a daily show, that's a new show targeting African-Americans. This is all about us informing our people of the critical issues. That segment we just talked about, Power to the Polls. Look, you're not seeing that elsewhere. That's why this show matters. And we want to be able to provide more 
of this. You know, uh, Verizon uh, and uh, DirecTV stopped carrying One America News, and they were paying them to be on there. Boy, it sure would be nice if they would pay a black-owned network to be able to have their content on those platforms. And so that's what I mean by we don't have those corporate dollars coming our way, and so your support matters. So please, download our Black Star Network app, uh, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV, and of course, if you want to give and show your support to us, please do so. Check in money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zell is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And shout out to Patrick Kelly. Uh, thanks for donating to the show. Let's see here. Ralph Austin Jr., thanks a bunch. Uh, also, Sahira uh, Threats, or Sahara, I uh, appreciate it. Richardson, let's see here. James Robinson, Kimberly Wilson, Faye Drain, thank you so very much. Uh, let's see here. Who just made a square payment? I'm looking here. Uh, the name is not showing up. Uh, uh, Azaline Jones, or uh, Azaline Jones, uh, thanks a bunch. Alice Carter, thank you so very much. Uh, also, let's see here. Uh, D. Taylor Thomas. I have D. Taylor Thomas, uh, thanks a bunch. Uh, again, Alice Carter. Uh, we also have here, I'm literally reading the emails, y'all. Uh, uh, let's see here. Faye Drain, Brian Burrell, Felicia King, Ebony Charles, James Smith, Martin Turnley, Veronica Whitaker, Kiara Foster Bach, Kenneth McRae, Robert Mitchell. Uh, let's see here. Okay, I'm looking. Donald White. Uh, thanks a bunch. And just coming in, let's see. That's it. Yeah, I started saying it. Uh, Azaline Jones. All right, folks. Uh, again, if you give during the show, I'll give you a shout out right here, live on the air. We'll be right back. I challenge myself as an artist and challenge, knowing that I'm going to challenge the audience, right? So oftentimes you come into this business off of one project where everybody's like, ooh, ooh, you stand out. Okay, for me it was Barbershop, Ricky, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Ricky was nothing like me growing up, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> nothing like me growing up. But if that's people's first experience with you, right, as an audience member, they tend to think that's the real you, right? So, uh, you know, for me, after that, I got a whole bunch of offers to play roles just like Ricky, right? This Tupac-esque type of, type of thug, right? And I just said no over and over again. And then you keep trying to do other things. And then I went through a, a series of romantic movies and romantic leads, and, you know, I always try to bring some sort of gravitas to those roles. And then it was like, okay, well, but before I get into all of that, let me hit y'all with, you know, for color girls and, you know, step outside of the realm of, you know, what you expect of me to do um, as an audience member in terms of being this romantic lead and everything. Because I didn't get into this business to be the romantic lead, you know, that dude. Like, I didn't get into this business. you can get locked business. in. You can totally get locked in. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are black beyond measure.
Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. On the next A Balanced Life with me, Dr. Jackie, getting back to normal. Is there such a thing? We're about to send our kids back to school when we literally have more questions than there are answers. What does it mean to have a normalcy? How will our kids respond to it? And how are we going to assist them? What can you do to help your kids feel some sense of emotional stability as they go back into the classroom here on A Balanced Life on the Black Star Network? So this is Roger Bow. I got a message for Roland Mascot. Oh, I'm sorry, Ascot Martin. Buddy, you're supposed to be hooking me up with some of these mascots. I'm sorry, ascots that you claim to wear. Where's mine, buddy? Hey, yo, Peace World, what's going on? It's the Love King of R&B, Raheem Devon, and you're watching Roland Martin, Unfiltered. Deanna Jones disappeared from Norfolk, Virginia on August 10th. The 17-year-old is 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighs 190 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a brown coat and black pants. Anyone with information about Deanna Jones should call the Norfolk, Virginia Police Department at 757-664-7000. All right, folks, folks uh, uh, some breaking news uh, just in. The Southern Baptist Convention, uh, they have announced that the Department of Justice is now investigating them for their handling of sexual abuse claims. Remember, there was a massive, massive uh, report that was released by the, SC, the, the SBC that details the failures in the Southern Baptist Convention with regards to sexual abuse. They actually uh, talked about a number of people who were placed on a watch list, uh, different pastors. It showed how, the, how they have utterly failed uh, folks uh, who reported uh, sexual abuse. Uh, and uh, now uh, they've come out and publicly announced, uh, again, that they are under investigation as a result of that particular uh, report. Uh, now, uh, this week, uh, the, uh, the Associated Press uh, released a major investigation on the Mormon church and detail how they systematically uh, refused to deal with ish examples uh, of sexual abuse, how even one particular Mormon uh, told uh, one of their leaders that he was sexually abusing one of his children, and they did nothing. In fact, him and his wife had a child and he began to sexually abuse the child six weeks after the birth. And the Mormon church lawyer said, don't say a word. This is the Washington Post story uh, right here, folks, uh, with regards to uh, this news. Uh, SB SBC announcing they're the second largest faith group in the U.S. And the Justice Department is investigating multiple arms of the denomination following an internal report that showed the mishandling of sexual abuses. Uh, Matt, Matt th th this is significant, and again, 
It shows you what happens when you have an aggressive DOJ. Um, this report was damning. It showed how leadership uh, excused, blew off, and ignored numerous claims against preachers in the Southern Baptist Convention. And, and a lot of these are the so-called, and many of them, white conservative evangelicals uh, who are all about Jesus in politics. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, and they had a secret list of 700 pastors who had been accused. So one of the curative things they're going to do is have a, a list or a database of credibly accused pastors, but 700 pastors on a secret list, I mean, is abhorrent because that shows you that there was a systematic cover-up. And I, I was just reading about it, and apparently the legal team that represented them had represented them since, like, 1955. So, I mean, this team was helping to cover this up. And, frankly, when you hire a lawyer, it's to protect your interests, but that's a, a pretty scary idea that you could have a list of 700 people who are known to have credibly been involved in such uh, abuse, and the, the church didn't do anything, by and large, you know, as it relates to all of those... Um, allegations. And beyond that, I think it, it's really proof positive of how big a scale this was happening on, because DOJ customarily leaves this to state and local law enforcement. For, so for them to get involved um, is a big deal. For them to be sending out grand jury subpoenas is an even bigger deal, because that's letting them know we've found some credible allegations and we're going to follow them to the end. So I think there will be a lot of follow-up with this story, because there will be some heads that roll. Uh, one of the things, as I said, uh, Kelly, uh, we know we, we know about uh, for years, several decades now, uh, the investigation that resulted in massive settlements with the Catholic Church. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a massive settlement with the Boy Scouts of America that led them into bankruptcy, detailing again the sexual assault, the sexual abuse of young boys in the Boy Scouts by troop leaders. Then you now you have the second largest. Uh, uh, religious denomination and the Southern Baptist Convention. Very white, very conservative, very Republican. And I hope that the victims of this tragedy get every penny out of this convention because it is like Matt said, abhorrent, that this is still something that goes on within churches, that this is still within anyone's culture to hide the abuse, um, specifically sexual abuse of children. Um, not too long ago, like within the last couple minutes, they did just put out a statement um, saying, while we continue to grieve and lament past mistakes related to sexual abuse, current leaders across the SBC have demonstrated a firm conviction to address those issues of the past and implementing measures to ensure they are never repeated in the future. We don't know if this is truly in the past. Given what DOJ is alleging, I would not be surprised if they find current instances of sexual abuse. When you're talking about, what, what was the number, 700 uh, hidden uh, allegations? Like, it's, it's absurd, it's disgusting, and it is not of God, period. Like, this, this is political more than anything. This is about hiding tragedy to secure power. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with God. And it certainly has nothing to do with a modicum of spirituality outside of pride and greed. So, like I said, to the victims, I, I hope you just get everything that you are due, because this, this should never happen.
Um, Michael, this is a paragraph in the Washington Post story. The 300-page report, the first of its kind in a massive Protestant denomination like the SBC, showed how denominational leaders for decades actively resisted calls for abuse prevention and reform. But this is the one that gets me. Uh, and Matt was referring to this, but check this out. Evidence in the report suggests leaders also told Southern Baptists they could not maintain a database of offenders to prevent more abuse while secretly keeping such a list for years. They were lying. These so-called Christians were lying to their fellow Southern Baptists. Oh, we can't keep a list. But right. we got a list. Yeah, you know, I read that article, uh, Roland, from the Washington Post and the Tennessean also. Now, this comes... So it, it's going to be interesting to see what these Republicans say about this, okay? Because this is at a time when we see a rise in white Christian nationalism being used to galvanize uh, some factions of the Republican Party for the 2022 midterm elections, okay? You have uh, coup plotters and, and domestic terrorist sympathizers like Marjorie Taylor Greene. You have Doug Mastriano, who's uh, running for governor of uh, the state of Pennsylvania. And as, as governor of the state of Pennsylvania, he will be able to appoint the secretary of state of Pennsylvania based upon their, based upon their state constitution. So uh, you, you listen to them, and they, they use this white Christian nationalism as a rallying cry, which really reminds me of the Ku Klux Klan, especially the second incarnation of the Ku Klux Klan, which was founded in 1915 by the Reverend William Joseph Simmons, who rejuvenated the Klan after he saw the movie The Birth of a Nation. So this is, and then we deal with, you know, cover-up sexual assaults, things like this. Well, this is the same thing they were doing during slavery to African women, okay? So this is, um, you know, this is what they do. Now, it's going to be interesting to see how the Republicans uh, handle this, but it's good we have the Department of Justice, because 16.9 million African-Americans went out and voted. It's good we have this Department of Justice to prosecute these criminals or alleged criminals as well. Well, I, I just think that, uh, again, when you see this story, uh, you see how heinous it is. And trust me, folks, if y'all look at that uh, story uh, from the Associated Press dealing with the Mormons, I mean, it, it was sickening to read. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely sickening to read where lawyers with the Mormon church told Mormon leaders, mm-mm, you don't have to talk to authorities. I mean, it, it, it was absolutely shocking. Folks, let's talk about uh, hundreds of black NFL retirees uh, who were denied payouts in the $1 billion concussion settlement now can qualify for awards after their tests were rescored to eliminate racial bias. Remember, we talked about that on the show. Uh, well, they were dealing with, they were factoring in this issue of race. Now, uh, it was called race norming. It was being used in uh, the dementia testing, made it difficult for black players to prove they had the kind of cognitive decline, disqualifying them for awards that averaged about $500,000. Nearly 650 men have had the dementia test automatically rescored, according to a report released Friday, but the law firm handling uh, claims against the NFL. 51 now qualify for moderate to advanced dementia uh, awards. Nearly 250 show signs of early dementia. They will receive up to $35,000 in enhanced medical testing and treatment. They all initially failed to qualify because of the race-norman issue 
in testing. The new test is going to result. Uh, results will add millions to the NFL's total payout. And so uh, ain't that something, Matt, where nearly you know, a league of majority black players and race during was being used and denying those same black players benefits after dealing with uh, concussions and dementia and Alzheimer's all tied to their playing days? Man, it's pure racism and greed. I mean, that's all it is. 70% of the active players are black and 60% of the retired players are black. So to use this system is abhorrent to use the same word. I mean, the idea that you would say that the black players would have had a, a lower cognitive baseline and therefore they didn't reach the threshold is just disgusting, particularly because we're talking about the wealthiest professional sport in America. I mean, the NFL's got money for days. So to try to nickel and dime players who, you know, put the butts in the seats every Sunday um, when it comes to their dementia claims is disgusting, especially to use something like this that was um, completely unnecessary and I don't think was even necessarily um, advanced by the, the scientific experts is just disgusting. I think they said they tried to account for socioeconomic status and that's why they, they normed the players lower. But this is purely avarice. That's all it comes down to. The NFL didn't want to pay the money. They got caught with their pants down and now they're going to probably go on some self-serving PR spree talking about how they're doing the right thing, which we know is hogwash because they should have done that from the beginning. Uh, let's talk about this story here out of Georgia. Several Georgia police officers on administrative leave after leave uh, after a residence video went viral, folks. Caught on camera, an officer is heard using uh, the N-word when referring to the homeowner's son and then throwing the front door camera off her porch. Y'all, roll it. Off her porch into nearby bushes. Y'all, <laughs> this actually happened. Uh, th this shows you how these cops behave. So you see uh, them uh, in front of the home. Uh, and and now you hear them talking. Check this out. West Point police officers were looking for Tamisha Madden's son. When she learned they were looking for him, she turned him into authorities. Officers Donald Bramlett, Dylan Harmon, Zachary Haybor, Sergeant William Osteen, and Detective Elizabeth uh, Yjenka are all on administrative leave over the incident. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation is looking into this case. Here's a statement from uh, Madden's attorney, Wendell Major. The family is traumatized and disappointed by the action of the West Police West Point Police Department. Uh, the actions of the members of the West Point Police Department depicted in the video are unacceptable. The system's treatment of citizens of the community needs to be addressed by the city leaders. Uh, then they go on to say, every citizen who sees this horrific video can't help but think the same thing. That could have been my home. How many times have these officers acted out without the benefit of a video? We expect the city leaders to accept responsibility and to work to make things right for this family and the community. I mean, damn, Kelly, you snatched the camera and you threw it into the bushes? Really?
I mean, but it also goes to show just how how brazen police officers can be. Um, it they were expecting to get away with something. What I'm not sure, um, but it just goes to show that not every cop is good, and this entire you know spiel about you know this isn't us. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is why we have distrust. This is why we have the the tensions in the community that we do, because even though this might seem like a one-off, it only seems like a one-off because you got caught. We don't know how many times these people have done this and not gotten caught, and then you're still on the force. So, again, just, I don't, I don't know, just do better. You know, fire them and do better. Uh, I do get a kick out of the folks... Uh... Uh, Michael, so, oh, it's just a few bad apples. Damn, we we sure show a lot of bad apples. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, uh, what's interesting here, now, first of all, this is Georgia. I mean, Georgia has the largest Confederate monument out of anywhere in the country. So this is Georgia, number one. Number two, this could possibly be obstruction of justice. We know it's destruction of property, but also could be obstruction of justice as well, okay? Because... Um, it, it, it's because they uh, uh, took one of those security cameras and, and threw it in the bushes, it's probably a good thing that her son was not home because they were there to serve an arrest warrant. It's probably a good thing their son was, that their son was not home because there's no telling what would have happened. So, yeah, um, these uh, five officers need to be um, um, prosecuted, fired, prosecuted, everything. But also... We need to, just like your crazy-ass white people segment rolling, and you say, take picture, you, you know, use your video camera, record these crazy-ass white people. When they get fired, we need to apply and get their jobs. We need to do the, do the same thing here. When you got cops like this, they get fired, we need to apply to get those jobs as well to be the type of officers that we say we want to see also. So I'm glad this was caught on video, and hopefully uh, justice will prevail here as well. Um, all right, y'all. Um, I love this story right here. Uh, a former police officer in Virginia who stormed the U.S. Capitol, uh, he talked a whole bunch of trash, was taunting cops. <laughs> well, Matt, his punk ass gonna be in prison for the next seven years. Thomas Robertson was convicted by a jury on all six counts back in April. His former colleague and co-defendant Jacob Fracker took a plea deal and testified that Robertson wanted to overturned the election. Fracker told the jury he wouldn't have traveled to D.C. if it wasn't for Robertson. Prosecutors told um, the jurors that Robertson put himself right in the middle of it on January 6th by using a stick to block officers' path at the Capitol. Yeah, it was a former, it was a cop. Now that cop head to prison, Matt, for seven years. <laughs> yeah, he got cooked, and he got cooked by his friend. Uh, it, it reminds me of a case. I, I, he reminds me of a case I had where they were they were pressuring my client one time, and they said, "Your friends told us what you did." And my my client said, "I guess they're not my friends then, because I ain't do that." And here, his man's rolled on him just like we saw with Goodlit in the the case before. Um, and you know, this is this is good because this shows people like you're going to be held accountable by this DOJ, and seven years is nothing to shake a stick at. So I'm glad that they got the conviction, and I think it's it's funny, frankly, that. 
his friend procured the evidence that they needed to show that he not only would not have gone without his uh, influence, but precisely what he did to participate in the riot. So, you know, good riddance, and he got what he deserved. Hell yeah, because his friend wasn't trying to go to prison. <laughs> I keep saying, hey, you get busted, there's two or three or four y'all, somebody flipping. Uh, mm -hmm. Ask Michael Vick who should talk first. All right, y'all, jury selection begins on Monday in R. Kelly's <laughs> child pornography trial in Chicago. He was previously charged with child pornography in 20, 2002 by the Cook County State's Attorney's Office and was ultimately acquitted six years later. In 2019, the federal grand jury indicted Kelly on 13 counts of producing and receiving child pornography while enticing minors to engage in illegal sexual activity. The Grammy-winning multi-platinum selling singer was initially charged with sexually abusing five minors. However, a 2020 superseding indictment added a sixth victim. The trial is expected to last at least a month. Kelly is already serving 30 years in prison after being convicted on nine counts of racketeering and sex trafficking charges. And here's the thing, uh, Kelly, he may also face trials in Minneapolis and even in Georgia. He ain't going nowhere, ever. <laughs> like, ever. Ever. And, you know, at, at this point, it's any, any trial from here on out regarding R. Kelly, to me, is more formality and you know, administering justice on behalf of the victims in those respective jurisdictions. But at the end of the day, R. Kelly's never seeing the light of day again. If he's not in jail in one jurisdiction, he's going to jail in another jurisdiction. If not that jurisdiction, it's going to be another jurisdiction where he is going to jail because he did something wrong. He did several things wrong, um, specifically talking about the sexual abuse of young women um, and girls. And it is absolutely disgusting that it took this long but, you know, at the end of the day, justice is being served. And, you know, like I said, R. Kelly needs to be under the jail. So, you know, good riddance. Um, yeah, he ain't going nowhere. Uh, mm -mm. I'm telling you right now. And I don't think, Matt, if he gets convicted here, it's going to be concurrent. <laughs> no, it'll probably be consecutive. I mean, I don't know actually how they'll do that. But, I mean, it might be overkill in any event. In, in that he's already gotten so much time. And I don't want to speak on the appeals. I mean, nobody knows what will really happen, but I'll say that obviously, you know, there's been a lot of credible evidence and there's been presumably a lot of coordination because what people may not realize is when prosecutors realize someone has pending charges in another jurisdiction, they very often will confer with those jurisdictions because they can use evidence from other jurisdictions and other accusations in their own cases. So, you know, these prosecutors have probably been using some of that information or planning to do that, which will make their cases that come up after the fact even stronger. So I don't anticipate we'll be seeing him released anytime soon. All right, folks, let's talk about what's nope. happening in New York, okay? New York's wastewater tested positive for polio. Health officials fear the virus uh, that causes the disease is probably circulating in the city. This discovery is three weeks after a man in Rockland County, New York, north of the city, was diagnosed with polio that left him paralyzed. The city's health department has not said exactly where they found polio in the wastewater in the five boroughs. Neither did officials provide dates for when the virus was detected or say how many samples had tested positive. Dr. Ashwin Vassan, the New York City Health Commissioner, issued the following statement. The risk to New Yorkers is real, but the defense is so simple. Get vaccinated against polio. With polio circulating in our communities, there is simply nothing more essential than vaccinating our children to protect them from this virus. And if you're an unvaccinated or, in, or incompletely vaccinated adult, please choose not to get the vaccine. What you deal with, Michael, are these people who are so anti-vax they don't want to even get vaccinated against polio. Um, Y'all, yeah. 
we've been getting vaccinated for polio for decades. But go ahead and mess around if you want to. Homeboy, his ass is paralyzed. Yep. I bet he wish he had that shot now. Yep. And, you know, Roland, a lot of the disinformation when it comes to uh, anti, the anti-vaccine movement, a lot of the disinformation com- comes out of Russia. This is something that Malcolm Nance has been talking about for years. And they attack you with disinformation to weaken to weaken you from the inside, to weaken your health from the inside. And we're at a we're at a pivotal uh, time because children are about to go back to school after summer break. So uh, things like polio, but things also like COVID nineteen, et cetera, can really start spreading. Uh, and monkeypox can really start spreading once they get back in school amongst children, staff, teachers, et cetera. So, um, yeah, this is something that something else that we really have to watch as well. I do not know what the hell is wrong with these people. I, I, I don't get it. The folk who don't want to sit here uh, and take the damn uh, shot. I don't understand. I don't understand. All right, y'all. Uh, Got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, black men in tech in uh, education. We're going to talk about this story in our Education Matters segment. That is next. Don't forget, folks, please support us in what we do. Download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV, and, of course, you can join our Bring the Funk uh, fan club. Um, of course, uh, that is, uh, of course, our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans in the course of a year to donate, on average, $50. That's $4.19 a month. 13 cents a day. Not only do you get this show two hours a day, five days a week live, uh, then you get Roger Muhammad's two hour a day show on the Black Star Network. And you get the weekly show of Deborah Owens uh, dealing with financial literacy. You get uh, Jackie Hood Martin's show dealing with wellness and balanced living. You get a Greg Carr's show dealing with history and culture. You get Stephanie Humphrey's show dealing with the pivot, dealing with entrepreneurship and technology. You also get Rolling with Roland, our one-hour bi-weekly interview show. Michael Ely, uh, our interview is running right now. Fantastic interview uh, with Michael Ely. You get all of that, folks. We are 100% black-owned, independent, and so you are supporting the building of this. And let me say this again. I know, and some of y'all saw the L.A. Times story that was done on me. I greatly appreciate Stephen Pataglio for doing that. Y'all, there is no other black news outlet that is giving you five hours of live black news information every single day. Nobody. Nobody. Not Essence, not Ebony, not Black Enterprise, not the Grio, none of these outlets. This is what we're doing every single day, and so we need you to support us in what we do. Our goal this month is to get 2,000 of our fans contributing at least 50 bucks will allow us to raise $100,000. I told you, our Black Star Network app, uh, our OTT network, that's $160,000 every year just to run that. And so your support is crucial to us in doing so. Check in money orders. Go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollinsmartin.com. Rolling at rollinmartinunfiltered.com. Let me thank Matthew Price. 
Uh, let me thank, uh, there's no name, but 555450 uh, for uh, donating. Let me also thank, uh, let's see, George White. I appreciate it. Marchetta Tabron, thank you so very much. Claire Woody, I appreciate it. Tangela Miles, thank you so very much. Pamela Norman, thank you so very much. Michael McPherson, I appreciate your donation. Robin Thames, thanks a lot. And let's see here. All right, there we go. And so if you give it, give during the show, you get a shout out. We'll be right back on Rolling Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe. We all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Angie Stone. Hi, I'm Teresa Griffin. Oh, Roland. <laughs> hey, Roland. I am so disappointed that you are not here, first of all. Um, where's our dance? It's like we get a dance in every time I see you. And so now you're not here for me to dance with, sir. You and your ascot. I need it. I need that in my life right now. Okay. Um, I love you, Roland. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, according to the National Science Foundation, just 6.2% uh, of science and engineering bachelor's uh, program graduates were African-American. That's right. Black men in tech, I says black men. Black men in tech is an organization trying to increase those numbers. Joining us right now is Cam Ward. He is the founder and CEO of Black Men in Tech. He joins us from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Glad you are here. So, all right, Cam, how y'all trying to do this? What are you doing? What are your programs? What are your initiatives? Yeah, so we started uh, November of 2020. Uh, during the pandemic, during uh, a really interesting time for the black community. And what we're focused on now is creating access, community, and resources for black men, and also um, working with students, trying to get them technology in their schools and in their neighborhoods. So we work with the next generation of technology leaders. Um, and so uh, how's it been going thus far? Uh, absolutely, truly blessed, man, to uh, be a part and be able to spearhead this organization. Right now, we got over 4,000 members. 42% of them are women. It's really cool because you hear black men in tech and a lot of people go, that's not for me, right? But uh, I'm here to tell you it's for everyone. 
um, and it's going really well. We're about to open up our first innovation lab on the campus of Florida Memorial University in partnership with Technolo Technology, which is, which is led by Ted Lucas, the CEO of Slip and Slide. We're bending together here in South Florida, man, and we're really trying to make impact and make a difference. Uh, questions, let's see here. Uh, I'll start with Matt, you're first. All right, Brother Ward, uh, thanks for joining us. I had a quick question yeah. for you. So how are you increasing, I guess, inclusivity for people who obviously don't have access to Silicon Valley or Austin or some of the other burgeoning areas of tech in, in the country? I see you're doing it in South Florida. What efforts do you all have at, I guess, making it inclusive for those who are geographically not near one of those areas? Yeah, so we go to them. So, for instance, we've been to Dallas, Texas, and we're planning on going to Houston in the fall, and we're going to Chicago, and we're going to uh, Los Angeles in the spring. We're bringing tech to people. We know that, you know, tech sometimes are a space where it's only for the people that are fortunate enough to have this experience, but we take it to them. And also, we invite people to come down. Most people um, never walked on Florida Memorial Campus until we brought in the tech lab, so we're using our resources and network to expand the, the platform. Of, of our culture in the tech space. And one more thing I would say immediately is like tech is more than engineering and product and all the technical skills. I'm a diversity officer by trade um, and I work in the tech space. So tech is for everyone. And I love to tell our young people that as well. Kelly. Hi, um, you just t uh, touched on this a little bit. Can you explain how getting into tech and being in tech does not necessarily mean you have to code or have to know anything about security IT, that there are <laughs> other um, lanes that you can yeah. go into tech um, and explain what those are? Yeah, sure. So um, there's always what I call the sexy jobs, right? The engineering jobs that get you well over six figures and that sort of thing. But understand that technology as itself and tech as itself, there are people that run the company. For me, I'm a diversity officer. You have people that are accountants. You have people that do marketing. You have people that um, that do the ad, ad space, right? You have people that, that um, are in HR. All of these things are needed to run any corporation in tech. So when I talk to students, especially elementary students, we talk a lot about gaming. My middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students, we talk about what do you love to do and then how do we bring that to the tech space? So that's what we're focused on. But tech is for everybody. Black men in tech is for everyone. Um, and it's a, it's a space where we create a community and connections. Matt. I've already asked the question. Sorry, Michael. Michael. Sorry, Michael. Hey, hey, brother Cam, thanks for coming on today. Uh, no for, for a lot of African-American uh, teenagers, they may be turned off from positions in the tech industry because they don't do well in math, geometry, yeah. uh, trigonometry, calculus, things like this. What are some of the ways that you demystify technology and show them that you can do this also? Oh, that's a beautiful question. So what I do is I, I, I really take individuals that look like us, that look like me, that, that um, that's not good at math at all or any other thing. And we go and show up and, and we represent. I, I, um, 
I read a book a while back called White People Making White People Uncomfortable. And the thought process that came out of that. that that's called a Roland Martin biography. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. And, and, the, and the piece that made it so important was the forward when it was said that because we are represented in spaces, then we understand we can be something or do something. So anytime we do career fairs, we do, uh, we do tech meetups, we're always telling individuals, our, our origin story. And our origin story sometimes is vastly different, but we're in the same space. And then, of course, when you tell people about the amount of money and about, you know, the, the, the access that you have to bigger and better, they always tap in. Think about it. Um, like me, most individuals that play sports, especially football, started, in the fit, started when they was five years old, right? Mm -hmm. If we start teaching tech to our five-year-olds and our third graders and our sixth graders, now they know tech is an option. But it right. takes organizations like us, organization, other organizations that we need to band together in order to get the message out. Where can folks, uh, folks want more information? Where do they go? Cool. So you can go to our website, www.blkmenintech.com, or you can reach us on all the socials uh, at Black Men in Tech. Um, we have a conference coming up. Uh, October 13th through the 16th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It's going to be 60 amazing speakers. We got nightlife. We got brunch. We would love to see everyone come out and show up in our community. All right, then. Uh, well, Cam, we certainly appreciate it, man. Good luck with it. Thank you. Uh, and uh, be sure to uh, get with Carol uh, and uh, send one of those shirts, uh, and then I'll wear it I got you. Uh, on the show. Okay? <laughs> Thank you so much for the time. I really uh, appreciate it. it. Thanks a lot. Uh, we almost finished. Uh, Michael, you've got something coming up. Tell Quickly tell folks about it. Thank you so much. Uh, this weekend, I'm teaching two online classes as part of our online courses. Saturday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I teach Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. Kemet's one of the original names for Egypt. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation, book references, articles, video clips. The information is at our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. This is actually a 12-week online course. Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We start in 1803 with the Louisiana Purchase and the Haitian Revolution. We take you throughout history to see uh, what leads to the Civil War, Reconstruction, Jim Crow era, World War I, World War II, Great Migration, Civil Rights Movement, Black Power Movement. Uh, visit theafricanhistorynetwork.com. You can register. We have a bundle pack. You get both classes for one low price as well. And this content is PG-13. You can use it with your children as well. Thanks so much, Roland. All right. That's it for us, folks. Uh, this uh, weekend, I'll be uh, at Cynthia Entertainers Golf Tournament uh, taking place uh, Sunday and Monday. So I will be out on Monday, back on Tuesday. So look forward to that. Also, folks, set your uh, DVR. Don't run that list yet, folks. Set your DVR. I want you to, I'll be on Tiffany Cross's show uh, for the full two hours tomorrow. They just hit me about half, three different segments. So tune in to uh, Tiffany Cross tomorrow on MSNBC. Uh, and so should I wear a serious sucker tomorrow or should I wear an African outfit? Which one? <laughs> what, what, what should I do? Should wear, I, wear an African outfit. Should wear I wear an African outfit? Should I wear, African 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 everybody, yeah. who, everybody who's on YouTube, y'all quickly weigh in uh, uh, in Facebook. Should I wear the seersucker? That African seersucker? Uh, no. 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 <laughs> no. Y'all can go ahead and drop Kelly. I, I know her ass did <laughs> not just say African seersucker. The hell is wrong with Kelly, y'all? Ke Kelly, Kelly, there's no African seersucker. <laughs>
If anybody would have it, you there would are, have there, it. There, there, there are stripes. We, we have, ain't no African seal sucker, Kelly. Lord mm -hmm. have mercy. Mm -hmm. Lord Jesus. All right, y'all. Yeah. Uh, so uh, y'all let me know what I should, what I should rock uh, tomorrow on Tiffany Cross. Uh, last time I had a black and gold uh, African outfit on, so uh, I, yep. I, I, I might I might rock something like that uh, similar, and so we'll see. So uh, oh, again, I do have one more thing since Michael said something. Well, Michael <laughs> asked. Well, hold on. First of all, <laughs> my, first of all, first of all, let's be good. Michael asked first. <laughs> see, see, Michael got Michael asked. He he wanted to get clearance. You know, right. just going, well, I didn't think you would say yes. <sighs> okay, Kelly, what, what you want you got? What, what? I am in a pageant that is taking place on August 19th. Um, so next Friday. So I won't be on your show next Friday. I will be in this pageant. Miss Full Figure DMV Plus. And if you are in the D.C. area, please follow me on Kelly Combs, and I will give you all the information to attend and cheer me on. Matt, you got something? We're cheering you on, Kelly. Uh, no, I have nothing Thank beyond you. you. I just wanted to tell you, you cleaned it in a board of hell today, Roland. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I knew you were going to show up in a T-shirt, so uh, I had to go ahead and... I <laughs> do. The brother can't even take a compliment. Ah! Well, that coat is fire, though. That coat is fire, I got to tell you. Well, you know, I said, I said, let me go ahead. Normally, normally I'm rocking. Uh, so here's the deal. So, I, look, I wore suits every day on, on TV One. Um... And I said, so when we started this show, I said, we're going to, I said, look, I have a different look. It's digital. Uh, I wear different message shirts or whatever the heck. And so I literally got about 150, 160 suits. And I ain't, I, 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 I'm talking about, I probably have worn five suits a year since we launched this show. I won two this week. So I just felt like, so I think some people didn't, they must have forgot how brother, could, you know, could clean up. So I said, well, let me go ahead and break out the pink seersucker jacket with the white linen pants. You know, I just want to just, just, just remind some folk uh, how, because see, a lot of folk today didn't see me when I was on CNN. They didn't realize how I used to see, slay them fools wearing them blue and boring-ass blue suits and gray suits. Uh, and so I said, let me go ahead and just, uh, just let folks know how I'd brother do it. And so that's why I decided to do it. So, uh, so I'll bring back the message shirts. We got elections coming up. I got about 40 vote shirts. I'll be wearing those. Yeah, I see with your little Howard shirt. I got you. All right, fine. Um, in, fact, I, I, in fact, I need to wear I need to wear a Hampton shirt. That's right. Ham, uh, Hampton, y'all need to see. Uh, Hampton, girl, I got a bluey shirt. I, I, I got you. Uh, I gave you a bluey shirt. I've worn it before. Okay. The hell is wrong with that? Brother said all that and didn't say thank you. All that you hear Ham all that, man. Right. Matt, Matt, Matt. If I if I just told you thank you, you think I was sick? <laughs> That's true. That's See, you true. think I be I was under the weather or something? So uh, Hampton folks, y'all need to send me some gear because uh, I didn't be on y'all campus. Y'all had multiple times. Y'all send me something so I can rock it. But I'm going to purposely wear a Hampton shirt on Friday when Matt's here so he can see that Hampton the whole time. Matter of fact, y'all send me a Hampton, the real HU shirt, and that'll really drive Matt crazy. Uh, then you're going to go out and buy that new Howard Jordan brand. Shout out to Howard for the new that, that Jordan happen. brand. That ain't happening. That ain't happening. Um, that ain't happening. All right, y'all. We got to go. Uh, again, uh, check me out. Tiffany Cross Show tomorrow night. MS, tomorrow morning on MSNBC. Uh, this weekend, I'll be for the Cynthia Entertainer uh, Golf Tournament. Uh, I'm, I'm going to shoot some video. I'll have some for y'all. Check me out. I might be going live on Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, to some of the different platforms, showing y'all uh, some stuff. So y'all know how we do. 
Uh, and then, of course, uh, I'll be here uh, next week. And don't forget, y'all, again, your support really matters. Uh, and, and, and so, y'all, you know, trust me, what we are building, and I'm telling y'all, uh, I got an email. Matter of fact, I got an email. I'm just going to share this with y'all. Okay, I initially was not going to share this. Uh, but uh, let me share this with y'all uh, because some of y'all th think I'm joking. Uh, but we are literally working on, as we speak, um, as we speak, uh, this this whole uh, deal uh, and uh, the email I got from the person working with us for our distribution uh, attaches a spreadsheet that summarizes the communications we've had to date with various distribution platforms. I'm encouraged by the positive initial reactions received from many platforms, including major ones like Pluto, Samsung TV Plus, Vizio, Roku Channel, also Tubi. Uh, and then in the coming weeks, we'll have follow-up calls and exchange term sheets. So we are working, folks, to launch a 24-hour fast channel, a streaming channel that will be available on all of those platforms. And so I told y'all what we were doing uh, was building something here. And so the Black Star Network is an OTT. It's called Over the Top Platform. That's where we have our app. All of our content is on there. We also want to have the streaming channel. We've got lots of content that we, we've curated that we're also getting. We're developing two new shows as we speak. Uh, one of them is a daily show featuring a sister. I'm going to be making that announcement uh, real soon. Uh, it's a cooking show we're working on. Uh, there's a fitness show that also uh, I got uh, my eyes on. And so I, I really want us to create uh, a powerful, powerful platform uh, for, uh, for our folks. And see, and so for all these advertisers, because a lot of the, here's what they say. Oh, you know, uh, you know, your news show, you know, we, we don't buy news because it's opinionated, and I'm like, yeah, but I see y'all buying ads on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox. I'm just saying. So my whole deal is fine. I'm going to create content that's, quote, not controversial. Now are y'all going to buy? And so that's what we're doing, and so uh, we are doing some great things. Your support absolutely matters, and so please, Keenan, let me know how, where we are with the downloads, how many we now have. So... Look, Blackstar Network is free, y'all. It's free. I'm, I do not charge a subscription fee. They asked me initially, do you want to charge? I said a lot of our people can't afford that monthly fee. Uh, but guess what? A bunch of us paying that high monthly fee for BET+. I'm just saying. We're paying those high fees for other platforms. Uh, and so we're not charging, but we do ask you to support us with our Bring the Funk fan club, all voluntary. So first, download the Blackstar Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And of course, uh, this is how you can give to us. Uh, P.O. Box, checks and money orders, the P.O. Box 57196. Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingatsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingatsmartinunfiltered.com. We have, Keenan just told me, we have, we have 43,495 downloads, y'all. We are six, uh, about 6,500 short of 50,000. We got to get to 50,000, folks. Uh, I'm going to read these names. This is who they, they've given in the last 10 minutes. Don't run the list yet because some of the, they be complaining, man, when you talking and y'all running that crawl so fast, I can't see nothing. So we're going to run it full screen. But real quick, uh, Kristen, thank you. 
Angie, a.k.a. Mocha Mima. Thanks a lot. Scotty Cole, Jawan Yvette, Sammy Sawyers Jr., Benny Burrison. Thanks a lot. Fayetta Sawyers, Samoto Dabney, Marcus Maurice Williams, uh, Keenan, uh, K-E-N-O-N, Alfonso Rodriguez, Tommy Williams. Thanks a lot. And one more, uh, Wayne Adams. Thank you so very much, uh, all of y'all, for supporting us in what we do. I'll see y'all. We'll be streaming on the weekend. We'll see y'all on Monday on the show. Who's, who's filling in for me on Monday? Who? Oh, Erica Savage, y'all, is going to be filling in for me uh, on Monday's show. So y'all support Erica. I'll be back from Los Angeles on Tuesday of Kicking with Hit the Entertainer. Uh, until then, ho! Mm -hmm.